Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we're speaking with Dr. Susan Nicholas, who is a physician and surgeon who, after a conscious awakening, transitioned her life into soul healing work. Today, she is a telepathic medical intuitive, energy healer, and transformational speaker on the energy of feelings and the frequency of money. As the founder of the Human Consciousness Consortium Publishing, Dr. Nicholas is the author of The Duality of Being, Perspectives from Multidimensional Travel, and Two Parts of Me, I Am More Than My Body. Her diverse work has a common thread, which is to awaken humanity to consciousness. When not writing, speaking, or working with her energy clients, Susan can be found hosting her weekly Be Conscious Healing Podcast. We are recording at Glow Podcast Row event in New York City, and I am here with the beautiful Dr. Susan Nicholas. How are you? I'm well, Lily. Thank you for having me. So tell us about your company and where we can connect with you. Sure. I am the founder of the Human Consciousness Consortium and SusanNicholas.org, and I can be found at www.SusanNicholas.org. The Human Consciousness Consortium is actually part of a much bigger project that's coming along in the future. But right now it serves as the publishing entity for my conscious adult and children's books. So I am an international speaker on human consciousness and I write adult and children's books about, again, human consciousness or more about kind of life situations from a more conscious perspective. I am a Reiki energy healer. I am a conscious life coach and a podcast host for the Be Conscious podcast. Fantastic. And when is that launching? That should launch on the 31st of January. Great. Now, typically there's a pivot, there's a shift that happens in our lives, especially about consciousness. Tell us about that. Sure. So I started my career pursuing a medical career. Mm -hmm. I went to medical school and went to do my surgical training in the Bay Area and found myself in my clinical fellowship in cardiothoracic surgery at Stanford, and I kind of reached a point in my life where I felt that I had finally made it and arrived, only to find myself to have this hollowness or this emptiness inside. Instead of feeling more fulfilled and happy and, I don't know, well in myself, I just felt like this crevasse void, like this emptiness within me. And I came to a point where I thought I had done it. I I did everything. I'd worked so hard to get there, and it didn't bring me joy or happiness or fulfillment. And I felt that I didn't want to go on living. I was just exhausted at that time, and I attempted to take my own life. And coming through that was the first shift in my consciousness. And I say it's the first shift because it's the first time I really believe that I heard my true self, my inner voice, speaking to me. And so for me, I realized, I said, well, maybe this clinical medicine that I've been pursuing is not my purpose. And I think I had inklings of that early on, but I was just too afraid to make a change because I made so much of a commitment. I committed most of my life to it since I was 10 years old. I wanted to be a doctor and then I'd be a doctor. And when it didn't feel right, I didn't know what to do with that feeling. 
And I just kept going, thinking that each year as I became more senior, as I became more experienced in my work, then I would feel better and better, but I didn't. And that alarmed me tremendously mm-hmm. because I had invested so much of my life, my entire life into this dream, into this purpose, only to find that maybe it's that wasn't it. Right. And I didn't know how to find my way around it. I was just too narrow in my thoughts and beliefs at the time to think that there was another way. But after I went to the shift, after attempting to take my own life, mm-hmm. I decided that I better leave this clinical practice and I went to business school. And I thought, okay, maybe if I integrate my healthcare, what I know about it and apply it to business, I could do healthcare finance and equity for healthcare companies. And I thought that sounded fun, that that could be fulfilling, that that would be what it was, that would be my purpose. And flash forward a handful of years later, I have all that. I go to business school. I become a healthcare entrepreneur. I get hired at a healthcare equity investment firm. And I've got a two-year-old child in tow. Here I am again with this void, this emptiness, this hollowness within my own soul Mm. that despite all these extra efforts, I still was not in my purpose. And then I felt that if I go through this one more time, if I go through this emptiness again, if I hit bottom again, I didn't believe I would make it. And my son was two years old and I thought, I don't want to abandon my son, but I don't want to be here on the earth either. Mm -hmm. And so I was in this conflict. And I tell you, Lily, I would like cry at night going to bed and in the shower, I was kind of like in this emotional place of just like, oh my, I was like a mess. I was like a mess. Mm -hmm. And when I lay down to sleep at night, I would wish to go home. And I didn't know what that meant. I just meant like- Not be here. Not be here anymore. Mm And I began to leave out of my own self, having mm-hmm. out-of-body experiences. And that was what the multidimensional travel is about. And when I first saw myself, you know, outside of myself, I existed as energy and consciousness. I was like, oh, my God. And I, I had a couple of feelings in that moment. I felt fear that I was out of earthly context. I didn't know how to perceive myself in that way. I did not have language around it. And I also felt incredibly free at the same time. And so... I had this out-of-body experience where I felt like I was experiencing myself as pure energy, only to moments later find myself back in my bed. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I ever have the chance to travel again, I will not be afraid. And I thought to myself, this must be what it is to die, and I'm ready. So what triggered that? Did it just happen? You know, I was in such a seeking phase of my life where I believe I had to wake up consciously, Lily, to go on living. That is how desperate I was to understand my purpose in this life for all of us what is this life about what are we doing here what is this planet about I could not believe that we were just born into these very elaborate complex bodies and this very like magnificent earth plane just to work to pay bills I couldn't believe it there's not one fiber of me that could believe that that's what we were here for just to survive it didn't make sense to me And I couldn't find the answers to those questions from outside. Everything was just like a grind, like just keep going, like keep it going, just keep working. You got to have a job. You got to pay bills. You got to have benefits. You got to do this, got to do that. It was very dutiful, very tasking. It was exhausting. And I just didn't think that that's why I was on the planet, why any of us are on the planet, to be quite frank. And so I was having these types of conversations with myself, really examining kind of the totality of existence. And I believe that is what helped me to wake up consciously, just this insistent, persistent asking 
And I really came to a crossroads where I was not prepared to go on anymore if I did not know what mm -hmm. was up. Mm -hmm. Like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And what am I to do here? And that's, I believe, what was the trigger for my full conscious awakening. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, um, of course. Because I think about, you know, professionals. We invest so much in our career and some of us feel the same way. Yes. And yet we continue and we go on in the same path without exploring other things, without looking and exploring this dissatisfaction. Exactly. This mediocrity. This, yes. You, know, you said something. You said fear and you said freedom. Yes. How are they connected? I think the fear came from this idea that I was experiencing an aspect of myself that I guess I knew existed. I believed I had a soul. I believed that I was more than a body, but I didn't have any language around it or any real experience about it. And experiencing myself as pure energy of the essence of myself was overwhelming, even though I was seeking it. But when I felt it and I experienced it, I was like, oh my God. We call it having a bird's eye view. It's like having a view from the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And how does one feel in that the first time they experience it? And I think I just had a like a default reaction of fear. Like when I realized I wasn't on earth anymore, but I had my consciousness. Like I was fully aware that I had a body and that I used to live on earth and that I was born as a baby named Susan. And like I had all this stuff that I remembered. I had all of my faculties. I had all my feelings and more. I, I, I was more aware. I was acutely aware of the connectedness of everything, of all of it. So I think even though I wished or feared that I wasn't going to make it, if I went through another emotional kind of like woefulness, I didn't find my purpose, figuring out that I was an energy being uh, <laughs> with this great expanse of capacity and existence was a little bit scary at first. Yeah. But, you know, the freedom part also comes from realizing that you are an expansive energy being, that you are effectively the universe incarnate. You have that energy, this sense of freedom. You're certainly living that. Now you're an author. Tell us about the yes. books. Yes. So my first book, The Duality of Being, came directly from these experiences out of body. And it was, you know, really to express to whoever was ready who may be experiencing their conscious awakening or their questioning or maybe their wit end in life trying to figure it out like I was of my experience into consciousness my experience into awareness of this higher expansive existence of myself of all of us of all of it and that you are here for a divine purpose. All of us are. We never examine that. We never do the work of what I call introspection to figure this out. And so I wrote The Duality of Being to tell my experience into consciousness, but also to share what I have learned because it changed my perspectives on just about every aspect of our existence, from our relationships to our physical bodies, to the mind of ours, to the true consciousness of us, the essence of us, you know, all the way to death from like beginning to end. And I've been traveling out for more than seven years uh, all these experiences culminate into many different perspectives. And I share that, what I believe is my gift to share with humanity, should anybody else be in the very same boat and wondering, is there more than this physical world that I'm in, this physical body that I am in, these circumstances that I am in? So you do that now intentionally and often? 
Yes. So I don't really call it intentionally. I call it an ability that I have. Mm-hmm. Many things have come out of this conscious awakening. My ability to see and move energy, my ability to communicate telepathically with the soul of individuals, to feel compassion for all of humanity, to see auras, to have a relationship with myself, to have a relationship with we haven't talked about it, but the energy of money and all the energies of the planet. We talk about it. <laughs> yes. So it's it's changed so many things. It's changed everything. It's changed my perspective. I call myself now an observer of life, not a reactionary person or like someone reacting to life, but an observer of it. And it changes how you interact with people, with yourself. I remember that if someone said that you could have a quiet mind, I thought it was an urban legend. I never believed it. I couldn't meditate and just be quiet. I'd have a barrage of thoughts and grievances always going through my mind. And I thought that was my voice. I thought that was my soul or spirit or whatever, not realizing that that chatter isn't the essence of me, but the listener of that chatter is the essence of me. And then I became like the observer and I became acutely aware that I am the person who is listening that that is my higher self. And that higher self does have a voice. It's not just a listener, Mm -hmm. but the mind chatter is so overwhelming that that softer, more resolute, uh, more intuitive voice is often drowned out by the chatter of our mind. And now I can be quiet like that. It took me about eight months, but I could now be quiet in my mind. At first I'd say, oh my gosh, I don't have thoughts. I don't, like that would be the chatter in my mind. I don't have any thoughts. I don't have thoughts. But now I don't need that anymore. I can just be quiet. And that gives me a sense of calmness and really allows me to be observer of life instead of reactionary all the time. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Everyone has a voice whether expressed or dormant. And Master Your Swag podcast was created to help you showcase your voice. It's a unique platform that affords high-level opportunity seekers like yourself, whether you're seeking a job, a client, or a partner, the chance to feature your insights, knowledge, expertise, experience, passion, and vision, and deliver your message to prospective employers, clients, or partners. It's an opportunity to connect your voice to your brand, to glow and get noticed. So when you send out that resume, that proposal, or that important email, you attach a unique link that will connect the recipient directly to your episode on Master Your Swag podcast. You connect your voice to your resume, to your brand, and get noticed. Go to MasterYourSwag.com to claim your spot on Master Your Swag podcast. That's MasterYourSwag.com. We talked a little bit about how you're a healer. Yes. Right? And it's interesting because as a surgeon, I think of surgeons as healers of our bodies. Tell us a little bit about how that occurs. Well, when I was practicing medicine and surgery, I thought that was healing. Mm -hmm. But I realized after my conscious awakening that we can do far more healing that we may never have to cut the body or suffer cancers and all sorts of things. If we heal the soul first, Mm. if we heal what ails us on an energetic soulful level first, and a lot of things that we are dealing with are from our childhood, from things that we don't remember, maybe even from past existences that we're carrying over. And we are shown scenarios or put into situations on the planet so we can overcome them. Many of the things that we're overcoming in this third dimensional life are things like fear and forgiveness. We're learning how to have compassion. We're learning how to love, love others, but also love ourselves. 
there's a very core, like basic lessons that we are learning as embodied beings on the planet right now. But many of us, we don't learn our lesson. We kind of get caught up in the scenarios and the dramas of the third dimension. I call them the, the illusions of the third dimension. And we never do our work of introspection to overcome them. And we keep going through, we keep going through the same thing over and over again, again. again. <laughs> right. over and over again. Right, right. And so there are cycles and patterns. And once I became an observer of my own life, I could see that there were certain things that I was repeating over and over again in these elaborate scenarios. But what was common was how I felt about it. I was like, oh, I remember this feeling. The scenario might look different, it might be a different time, but it felt the same. And I realized, oh my gosh, these feelings of ours, they're purposeful. These feelings are meant to be acknowledged. It's okay to be fearful, it's okay to be jealous and all those things, but you must acknowledge that and transform it. Those feelings, those dense, heavy feelings that are holding you back and repeating scenarios that are getting you nowhere are designed to be transformed but we never learn that. There's some basic tenets of energy that yes, we've learned it in respect to our electricity or hydro or solar, but we know that from the first law of thermodynamics that energy is not created nor destroyed, that it must be transformed. And that is true not only with the energy of what we call of our physical world, but it's true of the energy of us, the true essence of us. And we have never quite learned that lesson. Mm that what we're feeling deep inside, what has been hurting us in life, the infractions that we've incurred, the harm, all the thoughts, beliefs, language that have told us we are not enough, those must be transformed for us to move on and to live a life that we love. And so when a client calls you or connects with you, what should they expect? I get different types of requests. Mm -hmm. I do see professional clients who were like me, reach the height of their, I would say, material earthly successes, but feel empty or have a void within them. They're unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. I do three-month or six-month coaching programs for them to transform or transition out of their careers into something that's more purposeful for them. And I also see clients. It could be a stay-at-home mom who's not found her purpose after children have grown up or any person, but primarily I work with women, some men, but primarily like 99% of my practice are women who have been unfulfilled in life, disempowered monetarily, who have never been validated. They've never found self-validation. They've always been looking at it from their value of being mothers, of being beautiful, of being thin, of being this. And when they realize that that's not it, that's not what they're here for, to be somebody's arm candy or somebody's mother or somebody's wife that have a higher purpose than I see them in my energy practice. And we begin to transform all that energy that has been pent up and built up where the person has done what they think they should be doing, going to college, got married, got kids, whatever, whatever, and they are still unfulfilled. Right. So tell us about the energy of money. Yes. I love this. This is my most sought after talk and something that I think is crucial when we look at our worth as women and how it translates into the physical world. So we have an innate self-worth and we have a financial worth and they are related. Really? They are separate but related, meaning that our self-worth has nothing to do with our money, but our money shows up related to how we feel about ourselves. And it also shows up into how we recognize that there is an energy of money that has its own unique consciousness. And that is something that I know I never learned. I never <laughs> learned to see this, so this is super interesting. Exactly. And so the frequency of money is something that I love to discuss with women and I love to talk about because it's really related to our own innate self-worth. 
like in the history of the world, women have been marginalized and disenfranchised when it comes to their worth and their money. And it shows up on our finances. So anytime there's a financial shortfall, then there's an energetic imbalance within you where you do not feel worthy, or maybe there's even shame around money or a belief system that is hiding or that is residing in the recesses of your soul that you have yet to uncover and transform in order for you to move forward and to claim and honor and to be open to receiving your true divine wealth. And so usually women hold that much deeper than men. Men also have issues with money, but it is profound in the women we are very intuitive, we are very powerful, but often when it comes to money, we are disempowered. We have been disempowered historically from a legacy standpoint. The first thing I say is we must recognize that there is an energy of money, that everything in existence, including our money, is energy at its core. Yes, we do have the financial dollars and cents that it's physical money, but the movement and the flow of that money is energetic. There's an energy behind it. And people that have beliefs related to where money is dirty or evil mm -hmm. or there's shame around money or there's never enough money or money doesn't grow on trees. They have these beliefs these or that they're greedy that, for right. wanting more. Right. Then it creates what I call an energetic dissonance where you say you want something more, but you feel undeserving or unworthy or you feel criminal or you feel like somehow it's negative or bad or the root of all evil but this energy of money is actually benevolent it wants you to have everything but we have never learned that there is this consciousness of money that it has an energetic flow there's a frequency to it that you can communicate with this energy of money how it likes to be communicated with the energy of money is quite powerful it's probably one of the most powerful energies prevailing on the planet today and it's through our currency. Currency is just a way of exchange that we have devised mm -hmm. on earth for us to understand value of one thing for the next. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just what it is, how we've devised it. Right. But there is a frequency to this energy and this exchange. And it has been hoarded. It has been misrepresented. It has been hated. People have been killed over it and so on and so forth. There's a lot of heavy, dense energy with it. And it's really misunderstood. And so we must acknowledge that there is a consciousness and an energy of money, that we are a part of a benevolent universe. This universe wants to give you exactly what you want, but you must realize that the language of the universe is the frequency of your feelings. It resonates from your heart center. And so many times there is a disconnect when we say we want one thing, but we feel another. So we say we want that beautiful coat or that handbag or that house, but inside we say, oh, I can't afford it. Or, oh, why am I even thinking about that? In the recess of your soul, you may feel that you yeah. don't really deserve it, yeah. that you are not good enough. Yeah. And it can be very small things. Like people won't buy the most healthy foods for them because they look at the price tag and they're like, well, I'm not getting that. It goes from the very smallest thing to the very biggest thing. Mm -hmm. But one thing to remember is that the nature of this energy of money is infinite. There is limitless money. There are trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars and cents floating around in the universe, in this world. Why in the heck isn't there not enough for you? If you think about that, you think, well, well, why isn't it flowing to me? Anytime money doesn't show up or it doesn't add up, there's an imbalance. There's an energetic imbalance that is going on within you with saying what you want versus what you really feel universal law that we have never learned quite well is that the language of the universe 
is the frequency of our feelings. And the energy of money wants us to feel joy around money, love around money. We, it wants to be loved. It wants to be requested in the present tense. I am paying this amount of money on this day for this and believe it. And it is so. And never doubt this energy of money. And it doesn't work with just showing up with random deposits in your account. It can show up in your connections and your ideas, your relationships, the opportunities that come before you, the customers, whatever it is that you're trying to do, the people are put into place. This is the job of the energy of money to put all of this into place to fulfill your every request. So you must know this implicitly that this is true and possible. And when you begin to resonate the frequency of joy, when you make your money requests of resoluteness, even if I don't see it now, if I say, oh, I requested this today and it didn't show up, I have to look at me. I have to say, well, what is it with my requisite frequency that is not there yet? Mm -hmm. Am I like, uh, unsure, am I questioning this money? Or am I like, no, this is it. Just like you say, I am Lily, and you believe it. Believe it like that, that this exists and that there is something to it. Now, what happens is that we have this language about wanting and needing more money. And it's almost part of our vernacular. That's how we make money requests. The idea is that we need to remove those words because anytime we talk about want and need, we resonate this energy kind of of desperation or that neediness. And the universe feels that frequency and then returns earthly circumstances in kind. Whatever I'm resonating is what is showing up. So I see more things to be frustrated about, more things to be needy about, more things to be wanting. So what should be the language? The language is in the present I am, present tense of what your money request is, when you need it. I'm paying a bill, I'm doing this, and you pay that with gratitude. Now, I haven't gotten to talk this much about money, but really the key is when I have this default feeling, we settle for this default condition of like feeling like we don't have enough, is to find something in that moment to be grateful for. It doesn't have to be about the money at that point, but what is it that you are living, that you have love in your life, that you have a roof over your head, that there are flush toilets out there, that you have running water, whatever it is, you find it and you be grateful for that. And in that energy of gratefulness, that is a higher vibrational resonance than fear, than doubt, than anything that you've got going on, hold that. So think of what you can be grateful for in this moment and realize that any time that you do not receive the money request that you earnestly put forward in the present tense, in the high frequency of love, of joy, of like I put my request in, I let it go and I move on, I keep going, then you realize that there's still a little bit more that's being done, Mm -hmm. that the energy of money is working, but it will deliver to you what is at your requisite frequency. So if I say, oh, I want a billion dollars, but I've never handled $10,000 before, Mm -hmm. it might show me my 10 grand first and see how I'm going to do with that and then build me up because my frequency has to build up. So anyone that has become a billionaire, you'll notice that they've been on a journey and they've had to overcome many things to reach that. And if you haven't done your work, you're just not there yet. Yes, you can be a billionaire, but you must do your requisite work. It's energetic work. It's vibrational work to raise your frequency to be at a place where, yeah, I can now handle being a billionaire. I'm not going to like lose it and be a complete (laughs) ass, you know, (laughs) but you can have it. That's so intriguing. I'm assuming that we can get more information on your website, which is www.susannicholas.org. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lily. It's been a great pleasure. 
In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.